everybody is anxious. Everybody, like everybody you know, all the people in this room, all the people in your family, everybody that you texted this morning, everybody you're going to see this afternoon, every single person that you know, present company included, is anxious. Here's how I know. We've all been through the last 14 months together. And if the last 14 months have done anything for us, <laughs> it's make us anxious. And I've even got statistics to prove it. National Institutes of Health did a survey in 2019 and then did the same survey in 2020, so one year ago. In 2020, in July, kind of at the height of the pandemic and the uncertainty, they did a survey and they found that 36% of the adults that they surveyed, 36% showed signs of clinical anxiety, 36%. Now the previous year, 2019, they did the same survey, not knowing a pandemic was coming, and only 8% of adults surveyed showed signs of clinical anxiety. We are anxious. Earlier this week, we got an example from, from the world of sports, Naomi Osaka arguably the best female tennis player on the planet. She had to withdraw from the French Open. Why did she withdraw? Because she was experiencing anxiety related to having to deal with reporters. And really, who can blame her? Everybody is anxious. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this series. We're in this series we started last week called All the Feels, where we're looking at emotions through the lens of faith. And we started last week with, with this big idea. Because of Jesus Christ, though you have emotions, your emotions don't have to have you. We live in a day and age that says, you are what you feel. But the Christian faith teaches us something different. You are not what you feel. You are who God says that you are and what Christ has accomplished for you. And we are then freed to understand our emotions and our ups and our downs through the lens of what God says and what Christ has done. And so this morning, what I want to do is take a look at anxiety through those lenses. How does a person of faith understand and through the lens of their faith manage a bit of their anxiety? Now, as I say this, I understand that this is incredibly complex. Like anxiety happens on this spectrum from common anxiety to clinical anxiety. Common anxiety being something that is temporary and clinical anxiety being something that is pervasive and persistent. Now, thankfully, God has given us a world in which there are a myriad of ways to address anxiety, whether it is common or clinical. Everything from diet and exercise to counselors and medication and a, and a thousand things in between, it seems. And one of those things, an important thing to help us deal with our anxiety, no matter where you fall on that spectrum, is our faith. Now, as a quick aside, I just want to say to you that as your pastor and your friend, if you deal with incessant anxiety, I encourage you to, to deal with it from a holistic perspective. Not just applying your faith, although that's very important, but understanding that God has given us a myriad of ways to understand and wrestle with our anxiety and have a holistic approach and invite in other people and experts that God has called and equipped to help you walk with this. Uh, but this morning, what I want to do is talk about understanding and wrestling with anxiety purely through the lens of our faith, but understanding that it's a part of a larger puzzle that God gives us to help us deal with this. Through the lens of our faith, that's the focus for this morning. Now, uh, some have asked me in the past, like in pastoral care settings, whether or not anxiety is a good thing or a bad thing. And my response is always this, anxiety just is. 
It's not inherently good. It's not inherently bad. Anxiety just is. It's part of living in a chaotic, broken, dysfunctional world. And here's how we know that. Jesus himself, Jesus who we believe is God in flesh, perfect without sin, Jesus takes on flesh, becomes human, and what does he deal with? Though still being God, still being perfect, what does he deal with? He deals with anxiety. We heard it in the reading from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is pushed to the edge, to the point of utter despair, and yet he's still God, he's still good, he's still perfect. And so if Jesus can be sinless and perfect, yet wrestle with anxiety, you can wrestle with anxiety and not necessarily be a bad person for doing so. Anxiety just is. One of the best ways to think about it is perhaps frame it like this, that anxiety is a signal that you need to deal with some stuff that's going on behind your anxiety or underneath your anxiety. It's a signal that there's probably some deeper things that you should check out. Uh, the other night, my, my wife woke me up at 3 a.m. Actually, it was my wife and my daughter both woke me up at 3 a.m. And they said, uh, there is a noise outside and we don't know what it is. And I said, well, what do you want me to do about it? And they said, we want you to find out what it is. We want you to save us. My words, not theirs. And so, like a total hero, I walked out the front door in boxer shorts and a t-shirt, and I listened for the noise. And you know what? I found what the noise was. It was a giant cricket outside my daughter's window. And so I stomped on it, walked into the house triumphant, and said, Dad saves the day, go back to bed. Now, why I tell you that is not just so that I can feel good about saving my family from utter destruction. I tell you that for this reason. Sometimes anxiety is simply a signal that there's something you need to, you need to figure out. Is it a cricket or is it a serial killer? Something's going on. Just consider it a noise you have to deal with, a resource in a sense that God gives you. You're anxious. Why? J.P. Moreland wrote a whole book about his, his own journey with anxiety, and he says this, anxiety is a surface feeling that masks deeper feelings that are most likely the real issue you're dealing with. Hear the noise of anxiety, but ask the deeper question, what's going on? Is it something big? Is it something little? Is it a cricket or a serial killer? So what does Jesus do in anxiety? I think his moment in the Garden of Gethsemane is, is instructive for us and encouraging to us. Uh, not only just because it shows us that Jesus in his humanity, he dealt with anxiety to a, to a degree that we all do, perhaps even greater than most of us ever will. And, and by the way, as an aside, this is something that separates the Christian faith from every other religion. There are multiple religions who have a savior of sorts at the center of it. But Christianity is the only religion that has its deity dealing with the things that we do. It is the only faith where the God, the savior, the one that we worship and adore, puts himself in our place and puts himself under things like extreme anxiety so that he might conquer them for us, but so that he might be with us in those things. He is with you in and under the pain of living in this chaotic world. And so when Jesus is in that pain in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows he's about to die. How does he deal with his anxiety and how is it, instruct how is it instructive to us? Well, I think we see Jesus do three things. The first thing that we see Jesus do is he reaches out and he opens up to his friends. It's really easy to overlook, but, but it's, it's really important. 
Jesus, he's dealing with anxiety. He reaches out to his friends and he opens up. He takes his disciples with him to the garden. And then when he gets there, he takes his three closest disciples with him into this moment of anguish and torment. I mean, he literally says, stay here with me. Stay with me in this moment. And then Mark says that Jesus says, I'm so anguished. He's speaking to his disciples. I'm so anguished, I feel like I'm dying. He invited them into that moment with him. Let's just read it again really quickly. Jesus began to be greatly distressed and troubled. So he brings his disciples into the depths of the garden and in front of them, with them, he shows his distress. He shows he's troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. He looks at Peter, James, and John and he says, I'm so anxious. I feel like I'm going to die. This is Jesus the Savior of the world. Here, here's what I typically do with my anxiety. I wander alone into the land of what-ifs. And I go all by myself. It might be while I'm driving to work or while I'm trying to fall asleep at night or while I'm going on a run. I will wander alone into the land of what-ifs. And it's a very enticing land. It always tells me, if you come hang out with us in the land of what-ifs, you will gain some control and understanding You'll gain some control over what's ahead and you will know what to expect. And you'll feel better if you spend some time in the land of what-ifs. But the land of what-ifs lies to you and it takes you captive. And you end up stuck there in this world of what if this, what if that, what if this, what if that. And whatever anxiety you have ends up being amplified. I imagine Jesus had some what-ifs in his moment of deep anxiety. But here's what Jesus did. He didn't go there alone. Bring somebody with you into your wondering and your wrestling, into your what-ifs and your anxiety so that they can, they can be present with you and perhaps if needed, they can even pull you out. If Jesus needed people with him, don't you need people with you? you know, we've been making a big deal about coming back to church and there's a number of reasons why it's important to come back to church. One of the biggest reasons is because isolation plus anxiety is a dangerous, debilitating, and sometimes deadly thing. Isolation plus anxiety is really, really bad. And one of the many reasons that we've been saying, come back to church, come back to church, like sit in a pew with other people, cough in your elbow, but sit with other people, is because being alone and anxious is bad. Being with others but anxious is a little better. It's not perfect, but it is better. And if Jesus needed people with him, so do you. So what we see Jesus doing is reaching out and opening up. That's probably going to be helpful for us to do too. But there's more. You look at this moment, and Jesus doesn't just reach out and open up to his disciples. He, he reaches up and he pours out to the Father in prayer. He, he pours out his anxious heart to the Heavenly Father, and he tells him exactly what he's feeling. I, I feel distressed. I feel like I don't want to do this. I feel like this is going to kill me. I feel like this is untenable. I can't be in this moment any longer. He tells the Father everything that he's feeling, everything. 
At the very least, I would encourage you to see your anxiety as a signal that you should pray. And I know that in moments of intense anxiety, you feel like, well, I don't even have my head on right to think a clear thought, let alone pray. Empty your unclear, muddied mind to the Father. What is prayer other than just, other than just letting out all of your emotions to the Father and saying, I feel this, I feel this, I feel this, I feel this, and, and just letting him have those things. The majesty of God is big enough to handle all of your worries and fears and unhinged emotions. He can handle all of it. What does Jesus do? He, he reaches up and he pours out. And I think that'd be good for you too. I mean, that's, again, what Paul gets at in Philippians. Let me read this again. Paul says, The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, people get hung up on this phrase, do not be anxious about anything, and they think Paul's saying, just don't be anxious, which is not helpful. The last thing you're anxious, somebody look at you and be like, well, just stop it. We'll just cut it out. That's not, if, trust me, if I could, I would. That's not what Paul is saying. You have to look at the whole context of this, this entire sentence here. He says, Jesus is near to you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to God. Lift it up to him. What he's saying is this. When you're anxious, don't merely be anxious. Don't let that be the period at the end of the sentence. I am anxious, period. No, he says, in your anxiety, do what? Pray. Anxiety is, is nothing if not energy. It's this internal energy that we tend to fuel and focus on these what ifs, but what Paul is saying is take that energy of anxiety and funnel it into prayer where you lift all of this up to God. That's what we see Jesus doing. You know, I said at the beginning that anxiety is not good or bad, it just is. And, and that's certainly true. But I've, I've been asked by people, is anxiety a sin? And I would say, well, no. No, it's not, but it's kind of like anger. Uh, the Bible says this, in your anger, do not sin. The implication is that there's a way to be good and angry, but there's a way to sin in your anger. I think anxiety is the same way. There's a way to be in your anxiety, but then there's a way to sin while in your anxiety. And I think if there's any way to make anxiety into a sin, it's by rejecting this offer to lift up all the stuff that's in your heart and mind up to the Father and just saying, no, I'm just going to hold on to it myself. Oh, but you can, you can give it to God. No, I'm going to hold on to it myself. Well, you, you, can, you can speak to him and talk to him and, and let it just flow out of you incoherently to you, but beautiful to him. Like, you can, you can give it to him. No, I'm just going to hold on to it myself. Receive the invitation. Reach out and open up. Reach up and pour out. Use the energy of anxiety to pray. Now, the third thing we see Jesus do might just be the most powerful thing that we see him do in the Garden of Gethsemane in his moment of deep anguish and anxiety. Jesus speaks truth to his anxiety. It's kind of hard to see, but it's definitely there, and it's oh so important. Jesus speaks the things that he knows to be true about the Father to the Father and ultimately, I think, to himself. He says, God, I know that you are all powerful. That's a truth. And God the Father's like, yeah, I know why you're telling me. I think Jesus in his humanity is telling himself. 
And he says, not your will, not my will be done, rather, but your will be done. That's, that's another biblical truth. It's not about what my, what my human flesh wants in this moment of anxiety. It's about what you have willed as the Father. That's a biblical truth. Jesus is speaking the truths of who God is into his anxieties. The truth of God, the word of God, has a way to cut through the fog cut through the fog of our anxiety and help us be anchored in reality and more grounded in hope. Don't let anyone ever tell you that your emotions aren't real. Your emotions are real. But here's the thing to keep in mind. They're not always true. And that's an important distinction to make. If you are afraid, you are afraid. I will never talk you out of that. If you are anxious, you are anxious. If you are happy, you are happy. Congratulations. But what our emotions tell us in our anxiety or in our fear or even in our happiness isn't always true. And so what a person of faith knows is that they need to speak the truth of who God is into what their emotions are telling them so that they can be grounded in hope and grounded in reality. You can put it like this. You need to speak what is to your what ifs. Speak what is, according to God's word, into all of your what ifs. Your your anxiety will have you going like this. Well, what if the worst thing happens? What is true is Jesus is still on his throne and his victory is secure. Well, what if I'm found to be a fraud and I flame out and I make a disaster of my life? Well, what is true is that God's grace in Jesus Christ is sufficient for you, and there's nothing that you can do to make him love you less. Well, what if, what if I just ran away and hid from all my problems? <laughs> what is true is that you can be still and know that God is God, and he's good. You kind of get what I'm saying here? You speak what is true from God's word into all those what ifs. And that has a way of like anchoring you into hope and into reality. Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, I think it's safe to say dealt with some mental health issues in his life. Uh, The man changed the world in ways that are still reverberating to this day in in beautiful and good ways. Uh, But he was a, a troubled man. And uh, he was particularly troubled after he spoke truth to the Pope and he was sent into exile. So if you don't know the story, uh, the Roman Catholic Church had lost sight of the gospel, the message that we are saved and loved by God purely through grace, through no, none, zero effort of our own. And Martin Luther was actually reading and studying the scriptures. He was like, hey, I think we've overlooked something. And so he went in front of the Pope and he was like, hey, guess what? Mankind doesn't do anything to save himself. And the Pope was like, "Uh, how dare you? I'm going to kill you. And so Luther was sent into exile and his friends hid him in a castle in a city called Wartburg in Germany, and he hid in this castle by himself for 300 days while the Holy Roman Empire tried to kill him. He hid in this castle for 300 days. Now, he was very productive during his time away. He translated the entire Bible into German. But he also says that while he was in the castle in Wartburg, he was, he was tormented He was tormented by demons, I think, both real and metaphysical. He was deeply anxious. I mean, the most powerful force in the world is trying to kill you. You might have some anxiety. 
He was deeply anxious, and he tells this story about one time when he's being tormented by all the uncertainty and all the fear and all the anxiety that at one point he just screamed out into the darkness of this room that he's in. He screamed this Latin phrase. Uh, the Latin phrase is this, baptizius sum. And those of you who know Latin, you're shaking your heads. You know exactly what it is. The phrase means this, I am baptized. Into the darkness and the anxiety and uncertainty, he just screamed the words, I am baptized. Now, now what is he doing in that moment? What he's doing is he, he knows that there are certain promises ascribed to the gift of baptism. He knows that certain things are true because he's a baptized child of God. What he's saying is not just I'm baptized. What he's saying is no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Anyone who tries to remind me of my sins and mistakes, they're more damned than I am. I'm forgiven. Anyone who tries to kill me, even if they do kill me, will not get the ultimate victory. The victory is secure in Christ. I'm baptized. That's what he's saying. He's screaming that into the darkness. What's he doing? He's, he's proclaiming what is into all of the what ifs. That's what we're called to do. You wonder why we make such a big deal about understanding the scriptures? It's not just so that you can have a deep Bible knowledge and impress people. I know how deep the Red Sea is. Good for you. No one cares. <laughs> you know why it's important to understand God's word? So you can do what Jesus did when he was in the desert being tempted by the devil. So you can do what Jesus did when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. You can speak truth to lies. Whether those lies come from the outside or whether those lies come from the inside and say, what if this, what if this, what if this, what if that? And you can ground yourself in hope and reality. Now, if you know how the story of the Garden of Gethsemane ends, Jesus spends more time in prayer, but at the end of this, this time of reaching out and opening up to his friends and, and reaching up and pouring out to God and speaking the truth of who God is into his circumstance, at the end of it all, Jesus is like a different person. He goes from saying, I'm so anxious I could die, to at the end, he, he stands up and he's like, let's face this, let's, let's do this. He's ready to, to face the source of his anxiety, which is this betrayal and this arrest and this death that is waiting for him. And the reason he's able to do this is because he so faithfully wrestled with and faced his anxiety. Now, my hope and prayer for, for me and for you is that we might experience something of the same, that when we are in a moment of anguish and anxiety and we wrestle with it through the lens of our faith, that we might open up to others and cry out to God and, and apply the, the truths of Scripture to the lies in our hearts. And as a result, we might be able to stand up and face the source of our anxiety, whatever the source is, and face it boldly. And I pray that will happen for you. But here's what I know. It won't always. This side of eternity, sometimes, maybe lots of times, anxiety is just going to get the best of you. Sometimes you'll face it and conquer it and be stronger because of it. Other times it'll just do a number on you. And that doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you unfaithful. It doesn't make you more broken than the next person. It just makes you human. But that's where the comfort of the Christian faith comes in because what we know is that Jesus Christ faced his anxiety faithfully so that you can have peace when you falter in your anxiety. 
he, he was in that garden of angst, and he felt all of it. And then he was on uh, a cross of condemnation, and then he was in a tomb of death, and he faced all the things that caused chaos in this world, and it crushed him. But then he rose out of all of it and showed his power over it. He, he defeated all the things that cause our chaos and anxiety in this world. And then he says that his victory that he's earned through his death and resurrection is yours. And what that means is all the power that was used to be in the garden and on the cross and in the tomb and then resurrected, all the power that that did that and the person who did that is now yours. You believe in Christ, you're baptized into Christ, the Christ who conquered anxiety and so much more is now your king and his power flows through you and the promise is that he will carry you through the things that make you anxious and he's carrying you through anxiety even when anxiety seems to get the best of you because you know what? It won't get the last word for you. Even on days it gets the best of you. He will carry you through anxiety and he will bring about a day when there's no more worry and no more fear and no more being stopped in your tracks not knowing what to do and choking on what ifs. He'll bring about a day when all that's done for good. And if, and if on some days all you can do is curl up in blankets and be stuck in bed immobilized in your body, but confident in your heart that Jesus is still king and he still loves you and it's going to be okay. Then you're good. Everybody's anxious. Everybody. Reach out and open up, okay? Reach up and pour out. Speak truth to the lies. If you have to, shout into the darkness that you are baptized. But above all, know this. You belong to the one who has been in your garden of angst, in your tomb of death, who has risen from it all and who will see you through whatever is to come. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your son Jesus Christ has faced everything that we face. Even intense, debilitating anxiety. We thank you that we can take refuge in him. That we can be uh, guided and directed by him in what he did, but, but, but more than anything, we can be comforted by the fact that, that he has been victorious over this on our behalf. Uh, Father, we, we pray that for those who are, who are really struggling with some persistent and pervasive anxiety, that you would help them to apply the things that we've, we've learned this morning and, and certainly take comfort in the victory of Christ, but also uh, to make use of, of the many other resources that you put at our disposal to be ministered to by you through people like doctors and, 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 and good friends and uh, uh, every other resource that you've given to us. Help them to lay hold of them. Father, we, we ask that you would be with us in the week that's ahead and help us in the midst of anxiety to have peace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.